0: Hey there, this is J.D. Simo, and you're listening to the Notable Nashville Podcast. I'm going to do a song here called Mind Trouble from my new record, Off at 11. It's sort of a Lightning Hopkins-y kind of thing. Mm -hmm.
1: helps me before I'm through I got mind trouble they won't let me be I got mind trouble Thank mm-hmm. <laughs> I got my and it just won't let me be I got my trouble.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Notable Nashville, everybody. I'm here with a very talented JD Simo. Thanks for joining me, man.
0: Thanks for having me, Jordan.
2: So glad to glad to have you in Nashville. I see you're from uh, or you were born in Chicago, a fellow Midwesterner. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was just talking to you about Peoria. You were yeah. playing a show over there. Yeah, we just at played there point. for the
0: first time. Yeah. I mean, I never, you know, I never went down there when I was growing up or anything. So that's actually the first time I've ever been there. Oh yeah,
2: recently. So Chicago seems like a big guitar uh, town as far as like, I know a lot of people that have moved here that are like very into like blues rock. Is that a big scene in, in Chicago? I don't know
0: anymore. I don't know anymore because I, I grew up there when I was little. I mean, I was playing in bars when I was uh, like eight years old, nine years old. Um, But you know, there wasn't uh, uh, much of a, a scene, because I was too young, you know, I was, you know, because nobody, nobody my age played music. Uh It was all with people that were way older than me, you know, Um, I was just like kind of a novelty at that point, you know, it was great growing up there, though, because so much of the stuff that I care about um, came from Chicago and, and, you know, there's living in Tennessee now, you know, the the correlation of the the way, you know, a lot of music came from the South and... Uh went to Memphis or you know, and you know, quite honestly, you know, people either went to Memphis or went to Chicago looking for looking for work, you know. Yeah. 'Cause uh my family's working class. My grandfather worked at the stockyards in Chicago slaughtering hogs his whole life and oh wow, okay. And my father was born in the thirties and um and he worked at the stockyards and stuff and so, you know, I and my my other grandfather, my mom's father was a was an auto mechanic okay. after the second world war. So you know, like that whole, I understand that, you know, like yeah. people just looking for work and playing music was for fun and, you know, to get laid and get <laughs> drunk and, and all that. And, you know, if you you probably,
2: could... you probably learned that at a, at a later age, but no, I mean, I learned that. Yeah. Yo- I mean, you know, cause when you're
0: playing in bars and stuff, when you're you, that
2: young, yeah, you were, you said you were eight or nine when you started playing. Yeah. That's well, crazy. I mean, I got
0: a guitar when I was five, but oh. I, I started playing like for money mm-hmm. when I was eight, nine years old. Okay. And, uh, yeah, man, you know, by the time I was, I wasn't even out of grammar school and I'd seen hard drugs and, yeah. you know, lots and lots of fights and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. So you, know. you grew up fast. Yeah, I guess, you know, yeah. I mean, I just, it was just, it was, you know, it was life. I always cared about the music though. I never got into any trouble because I just wanted to play. Yeah. Cause you know, I think like you or anybody else who's into music, you, you know, when you're, when you're young and you really get into it, it's just an escape. It's, your bubble exactly. that you, you know, nobody can hurt you in, you know what I mean? So exactly, it's like, yeah. you know, I just always want to play
2: all that other stuff was just, you know, scenery. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, yeah, you have been playing for a long time and you and your band did like a huge national tour a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and you're about to do another huge tour. So what was that? What was that huge tour? Like we were just talking a little bit about it.
0: Well, I mean, I never stopped. I mean, I, I, I dropped out of high school when I was Uh Fifteen to go on the road full time. Yeah, and I've never had a job. I've only ever played guitar, and I don't come from I don't come from money and all that. Uh But I've never had to wait a table or anything. I've always only played guitar.
2: That's amazing. And
0: so to kind of it is, and I'm grateful for it being in my early 30s now. um, I'm real proud of it. And so to kind of condense it down, like you know, I I just I always played gigs and um, toured around the country, and then I moved to Nashville. Like 12 years ago, uh-huh. and I starved to death for about a year. And then, um, and then I got a residency gig downtown, which then got me in the door to start playing on people's records. And so, I did a ton of that before my group formed. Uh-huh. And so, when I jumped out of doing sessions, because that was what I was doing full time, and you know, bought a house and
2: bunch of session work,
0: uh, yeah, that's all I did five days a week uh-huh. for the most part at the height of it and um and then my group formed as a result of that and we signed a record deal and and uh and went out and did 300 days on the road for that first record and then that con- continued into our second group record uh-huh. uh where we were out like 200 and and uh and then yeah it was earlier uh it was a year ago at this time I did my first solo tour with uh with Tommy Manuel Wow! And then uh, opening up for him for a mm-hmm. month last January, mm-hmm. January of eighteen, and and then when I got off that tour, we had a bunch of tours booked, but I just I I kept the drummer that was that was in the band Simo, uh-huh. and then we used different guys to fill out the ensemble, and just used different people on different tours, and through the course of that, started making a record uh-huh. in my studio that I built in 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 my basement. Okay. And uh, and that's what ended up being the record that's coming out here. All right. And so, yeah, the touring is just part of It's how we pay the bills, yeah. you know. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Great. Looking it, forward to getting back out.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. As far as the studio goes, do you do session work on your own as well for different artists, or is it mostly just for you? I don't
0: have time anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'm never home. So every once in a while, I'll do something cool. Uh-huh. You know, I we were talking, you know, I did a uh you know a day with jack white a year and a half or two years ago now or whatever it was and i've done some stuff for dan Arbach and um and that was in your studio no 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 that oh, was at theirs that was at theirs okay but uh it's gonna be like that'd, but, be,
2: that'd be sick
0: oh yeah it would but no that was at their place <laughs> their places are a lot nicer than mine <laughs> you know mine you gotta like get the cobwebs out to place <laughs> so that you can like sing you know but uh no every once like once or twice a year, I'll these days these last several years because i just haven't i I don't have time anymore Mm. um but uh but you know i mean now with the studio hopefully that'll change i mean i've had my good buddy uh luther dickinson from north mississippi all-stars he was actually over the other day okay because we're working on a on a like a side project thing together all right um which you know we've got like half a record finished because he's busy and I'm busy and you know
2: yeah but uh, I found that know. really interesting when when musicians just juggle all these different stuff like sessions and touring and and making records and different groups I'm just like dang how do you like keep it all together You don't you just do it you just, <laughs> do, just it. do it I mean like like you know just
0: in that case like Luther and I became good buddies and I had him guest on a track. Uh, which was going to go on my record and it didn't, but that ended up being the nucleus for us doing a project yeah. together. Okay. And we recorded a whole bunch of other stuff last year, and then he got me into playing with Phil Lesh from the Grateful Dead, and so oh, then wow. we went off and did some some gigs with Phil together uh-huh. last year, and his brother Cody and John Medeski, uh-huh. um, and uh, in San Francisco. And we've been trying to get together, Luther and I, since. And then, you know, we both are home. So
2: okay. it was like, so hey, got why don't you come inside? over
0: and we'll go get the other guys and we'll, you know, we'll do a session. So, yeah. you know, we'll finish a record sometime this year. <laughs>
2: That's awesome. You know, Well, I saw, I also read that you uh, had shared the bill with Greg Allman. What, what show was that? Or was Oh, that, was well, that a we story? did a
0: bunch of, a couple of years ago. Uh, I can't remember now, but it was, it was. Uh, it was a few years ago. Uh, we did uh, several dates open opening for him. One okay. was actually at the Ryman here. Oh, um, but we did other other dates opening for him too. Okay, it was it was it was, it was really cool. It was, um, you know, the Allman Brothers band, uh, the original band, especially you know from the late '60s, you know, when Dwayne Allman was alive. That stuff means a lot to me, and definitely. Greg is a, you know, he was a, he was a treasure, man. It was great to stand in the wings and listen to him sing. Definitely. It was, um, I like Ray Charles a lot. And he, Ray Charles is a big hero of his. And it was really uh, the those handful of times that I was able to stand in the wings and watch him play and sing, you know. Every night there'd be one, like one line of a song that he would just do something, amazing like just the phrasing and the tone and he would just reach down deep and he would gri- not necessarily just like grind just, and just or be like real aggressive griffing. but like yeah like it just reminds me of like watching old footage of ray charles where it's like it's not every line mm-hmm. aretha franklin same way or yeah. or Mahalia jackson or something um you know it's like people like mariah carey or whatever it's like every line or every other line they're doing something yeah, acrobatic look, yeah. but those old school ones you know they wouldn't it, it would be like maybe one line in a song with, I would, that they would do something just crazy, but like, it would just, mm. it'd be so amazing. You'd and the rest that. of the time it's like a good boxer, you know, like a good boxer, like works the body the whole time. Right. And then like when the timing is just right, like it throws a really good combination. Like that's what a lot of those good singers are to me. And, and Greg, I can vividly remember like once every night, there'd be one of those moments and I'd be like standing there waiting for it to happen. And it would always be somewhere different. Yeah. I and it totally, would always be completely unlike the one the night before.
2: I totally understand what you're saying though. Like, um, the people that do that, I think, uh, even, um, Dan Auerbach is one of those people sure. too. I've seen him a couple of times and he always does something like that. There's it's just crazy. something
0: it's, it's just, it's different every night. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, and it's like a specific vocal, moment uh-huh. that like those old school people you know they just they they would they would do that and then i got to see greg do it every night and it was it was i can remember i'm getting like my hair standing up Can't thinking about it because it was just it was really that's special
2: yeah it was man yeah. it was well i want to talk about your first solo record coming out off yeah. at 11 um it's got eight tracks on it, right?
0: Yeah. But it's
2: it's it's long. I mean, the last track. I, I, I got to listen to it a little bit, and I was grooving to the last track. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's your debut. Your debut single is coming out um, February? Yeah, February 1st. February. So the debut single off this record is entitled You Need Love and uh maybe we'll get to hear a uh live version of this a little bit later. But, Absolutely. Uh, so, I want to play this track in here for the listeners, but uh can you preface the song about uh what it was kind of written about or
0: Uh it's just me talking about what I think, you know, I think that the world is a, a beautiful place and you know, I think that there's beauty everywhere and I think that's really hard to to uh for at least for me traveling all over the world to stay positive all the time Uh and um and so you know it's just a simple little funky little thing that everybody needs love yeah I mean that's really all we need you know Mm -hmm. and it was and it's just put to uh I wrote it in a like more of a of a John Lee Hooker kind of style and uh and then we ended up doing it um on the record that it's kind of more of like an Almond Brothersy kind of thing and then there's a big jam at the end that's sort of a nod to uh the Grateful Dead's the other one, which is a early song from the repertoire. There's it's a little
2: nod to that. Okay. So, you know, it's just a gumbo of a bunch of stuff I really like. All right, awesome. Well I wanna place that in here right now. Here is You Need Love by J D. Simo. All right, that was a first lesson of "You Need Love" by JD Simo. You can grab that everywhere February first. Um, so I wanted to ask you, JD, where what what gets your creativity flowing the most? Like when you're writing songs, are you just uh, are you by yourself? Do you collaborate with a lot of people, or what's what's your songwriting process like? Uh,
0: I don't really collaborate. I mean, I collaborate with, I play with a bunch of people.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like, but what, I don't really writing.
0: Yeah, I don't really. Um... I'm pretty solitary when it comes to that. Cause it just, cause I, um, when I first moved to Nashville 12 years ago, I did the, I tried the getting together and writing with people and all that.
1: Correct, and I mean,
0: I yeah. And I mean, I'm like, it can work and that's a whole, that's a different, uh, I mean, you know, history is full of situations. I mean, Leonard McCartney is one of them, you know, of people who would get together to write a right. song. I don't really work that way. I, I, I just kind of, uh, things kind of happen. And they usually I usually write things real quick okay. um, and uh, sometimes more than others. Uh, sometimes I'll go months without writing stuff. And but I, I, I don't really stress it at this point because um, uh, I've been doing it uh, a, a while, even though this is my first solo record. Uh-huh. It's just kind of I just let it come as it is i mean you know i've on my the last band record you know i got together and worked with with angelo from the, uh who produced kings of leon we wrote some stuff and all that so i mean i i'm open to it i yeah. just don't i just don't i'm busy first and foremost so uh-huh. i'm gone a lot so it's like i don't really have a lot of time right and i just
2: things come and so you when you were writing this first solo record was it kind of like you didn't uh, limit yourself to be like, okay, I'm going to write a few hours a day. You was just kind of whenever something comes. No,
0: because the whole process of making this record was when I had time off, I would generally invite the drummer over to the studio uh-huh. and I'd have something to work on. Okay. And we'd cut it and I'd, I'd play bass and play guitar and, and engineer. And, uh, and so like half the record is from that because I cut 30 songs that way. Uh uh, Some of which will probably come out later this year or next year on another thing uh, that I'm working on. Um, But uh, the other half of the record, we finished one of the summer tours, like the June, July, like we got back in August. And so I took the, the, the bass player who had done that tour into my studio with, with, with Adam, the drummer. And we cut like, Four or five tunes, the the long jam song at uh-huh. the end, except and and uh, and some of the other stuff we cut that like just in one day because oh, okay. like it was it was stuff that um that we had played on tour because we play a different set every night, uh-huh. so that you know inherently you have a lot we end up having a lot of material um, to be able to do that
2: mix around yeah
0: yeah so so you know I I it, I like to. Uh, and some of the stuff you know I've just write, you know i just I knew that the the guys were coming over, or Adam the drummer was coming over, and I had to have something to work on, okay, so I'd come up with something um so I know it's kind of a schizophrenic answer,
2: no, I mean i but, I understand it, I like how you're you're just kind of like you don't know, tie yourself down, it's just the flow of uh the flow of creativity maybe per se
0: yeah I mean I don't really I don't really stress about it yeah. I just kind of let it be what it's gonna be because man you know the other thing uh, and this is a good I think a, a good point of, of where my head is right now is that a lot of records that really mean a lot to me that are like old you know like old blues records from the 40s 50s and into the 60s mm-hmm. um and old soul records. You know, a lot of that stuff was made really, really quickly, okay? Like, you know, cut seven, eight, nine sides in a day, written half in the studio and half the night before at a motel, you know? Um, So there's a weird sense of urgency mixed with a sense of not stressing too much. It's,
2: It's this weird... You know, I think the industry kind of tends to forget uh, the way things were. Maybe I mean, a, there just effect. wasn't.
0: I mean, now you know, there's always two sides of a coin. So it's like for for like an Oral Hooker record or something like that 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 there wasn't a lot of thought put into. It was just capturing a vibe that was cool and groovy. Yeah, there's also you know uh, Bob Dylan or Neil Young or, or 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 the Beatles or something that really there was a lot of time mm-hmm. thought. An effort put into making something very specific, yeah. While still also being free to let happen what happened, yeah. you know, there is no, and I love both, you know. But yeah. for me, it's just kind of, you know, I, I guess I, you know, I've tried both in my own records and then playing on hundreds and hundreds of other people's records. For me, I think I'm best suited when I'm just trying to capture a vibe when I start to think too much or focus over too much, I overthink and it ends up not being as good
2: for me. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. So I wanted to ask you also, uh, you're, you're doing a lot of shows here coming up. Uh, Is there any pre-show ritual that you do with your, the your band or like, you know, pre-show shot of whiskey or whatever? No, no, (laughs) uh,
0: not like that, but, uh, we try and center because we start every show with an improvisation. We, we, we pick. So yeah, there actually, you know what? No, there is, there is a pre-show ritual. The, the pre-show ritual is we all take turns every night picking the key of the first improvisation that we're going to walk out on stage and start doing. Mm-hmm. And the theme and the theme can be uh doorbell or the theme can be Christmas lights or the theme can be pork chop. Uh-huh. And, it's meant to to kind of get us focused but also kind of maybe laugh and relax a little bit mm-hmm. and a huge part of what i like to do is to improvise you know all of the stuff you know getting to play with Phil Lesher and the Grateful Dead and all that there's i have like two sides i have one side that really loves complete freedom of improvisational nature that can be pretty you know maybe not necessarily okay. palatable to uh-huh. some people like pretty far out. Yeah. And then I have this great love of and then I have this great love of very authentic old uh black american music whether it's blues or rhythm and blues or jazz or uh-huh. you know. And so to me it's like the melding of those two. And actually Phil Lesh was really helpful. I know I'm jumping around, but uh No, don't worry. Phil was really helpful to me. And I know he would never remember saying this, but at the time I played with Phil for the first time, I had cut a ton of stuff at my studio, which was sort of in a very traditional blues, like 50s style blues thing. Uh And I was really proud of it. And I thought it was really great. But then I go out on stage with Phil and we go to Mars and I love it. Yeah. And I was like, man, you know, I was after we were done, we were talking and I was like, man, I just really... I love them both, you know? And he was like, well, just do them both. Do both. Why? You know? And I like, I know it sounds stupid, but it's like, it was really profound. It was eye opening to you. Yeah, yeah. Cause it was like, Oh, I can do both. Can't I? Right. So, you know, so to go on stage, we, we pick a, we pick a theme and a key and we go out and we improvise and we pick what the first song is going to be that that's going to go into. Okay. But we never know how it's going to go into it. It just happens. And it, happens differently every night and ah. the first
2: song is always different ah. so that's kind of our pre-show so like say somebody what do you what do you mean by the theme so say somebody says pork chop what is the like the theme or just uh you know well i mean it's up to the person it's up to the person I and think. it's
0: also up to you to how you're going to interpret that oh okay because like okay so i say pork chop so in my mind i'm thinking like uh like, like meaty and heavy and, oh, okay. and, 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 and greasy, uh-huh. uh, you know, like that's conceptually where my mind is going, but that right. might not be it, what the it's, other person it's is in the eye
2: of uh, the, the color of the theme.
0: Well, yeah. And also you're listening to each other because you know, you're not like, you're not necessarily using it as a, as a, as a thing that's set in stone. Uh-huh. Cause the second you start playing, completely free like we know what key we're starting in but we may modulate we may we may change keys we may lord only knows what's gonna happen we don't know it's gonna go the way it's gonna go and somehow or another we're gonna find our way to that
2: first song okay awesome but
0: yeah well i gotta come
2: out and see a show now i I definitely i definitely need to it's fun check it out but man uh jd thanks so much for uh taking the time and talking with us and uh I want to hear one more live tune. Could you maybe do the You Need Love? Sure. Yeah, I'll
0: do it the way I wrote it, which is more like a John Lee Hooker kind of
1: thing. All right, awesome. (laughs) <laughs> Need love, baby. Yeah.
2: Simo, everybody, thank you so much for listening. NotableNashville.com if you'd like to check us out on the web. And until next time, thanks for tuning in to Notable Nashville Podcast.